Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. The rain arrived in Canada, and it needed an extended FP2 session because, well, somebody needed to do Control-Alt-Delete on the CCTV system. Let's get up to speed, and if you didn't watch it, we'll tell you everything that happened on Friday. If you did, we'll try and explain some of the things uh, and what it means for qualifying and the a race on Sunday and the Grand Prix, joined by the editor of Autosport.com, Hayden Cobb. Welcome back to the Friday Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's been been almost a full month since I've been on. So yeah, it feels a long, too, far too long. You've been gallivanting around uh, sunny parts of Europe on weekends off. How dare you I know. enjoy yourself? Oh, yes, my, my <laughs> continental relations and uh, everything have sent me to two different Italian weddings. Uh, but they were both fantastic. So it just means that I've missed all the, all the fun of, of chatting to you. So I'm glad wow. to be back. It's a hard life. Hey, Sam Sam deputised admirably uh, for you, and it was good to... Uh, Sam's new to working with Autosport, definitely not new to working in, in Formula One. It was good to welcome him onto the podcast, and hopefully not the last time as well. Let's get into explaining to any of our listeners who might not have caught the Friday action, uh, what on earth happened in FP1, and why did they have to extend FP2? So, I'll guide this through nice, so. and, nice and easy. So we had, uh, in the build-up to FP1, there was uh, reports of uh, power outages at various places around the track, but lots of teams had sort of backup generators, so weren't in too much of a peril or worry. Um, FP1 starts on time, and then we get a fairly early uh, red flag about five minutes in because Pierre Gasly's uh, Alpine decides to conk out on him halfway around the track. So very, very normal. Uh, they eventually recover Gasly's uh, Alpine and were sort of ready to go to, to restart the, the session to the point where Mercedes sent both their cars to the end of pit lane in anticipation to be first out for, for the restart. But uh, nothing, nothing came, nothing came. And then Mercedes mechanics were seen bringing both cars back to the, the garage. And it looked like, oh, have they sort of massively overestimated this uh, have they made a mistake uh, 
not really, as it turned out, that basically the circuit's uh, CCTV system had been one of these things that had sort of partially dropped out very briefly during the issues. And as a result, it was out of sync with the live action. It was sort of on a delay. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on a video call and somebody's voice doesn't match up with their, their mouth. It's like that, but apparently it was a lot worse, which obviously makes the CCTV footage quite redundant, really, compared to the live track action. So they were trying to obviously re- <laughs> resync that, fix it, and it wasn't an easy fix to the point where the delay went on and on and on. We got to about 15, 10 minutes to go left in first practice. And of course, the clock doesn't stop for a red flag in practice. We just run to the end and they knew that it weren't going to get fixed in time. So they called the session early where we effectively only had five minutes of running. Uh, and there, therefore, there was a, a compromise, a conversation between the teams, the FIA, F1 and the circuit to extend uh, the second free practice by 30 minutes to make it 90 minutes long but it started 30 minutes early rather than running on later which as we've just mentioned about the rain was actually probably a very good thing because they would have had the extra 30 minutes and just been watching rain so it we all got there in the end a very unusual day an unusual first session but all's well that ends well I would I would say on that front that is a brilliant explanation of what, unfortunately, the TV commentary crews had to spend 60 minutes waffling their way through. Um, and I noticed that the FIA said that they were working with the local organisers who had arranged the CCTV. So I think in a subtle way saying, well, it wasn't our gear. <laughs> so we turned yeah. up at the track and it was... So I thought that was uh, it was a nice little line they added in to the press release, or the explanation at least, to say, hey, it's not us. But, but, uh, but also you might be wondering that actually Formula One is so well covered. All of the cars have... Because uh, I, I tend to use the F1 TV app or the website uh, t- to watch the coverage, only because if I try and watch it on the big TV, then inevitably it gets turned over to Peppa Pig these days. Uh, <laughs> and so, I you know, I often disappear out. And, do, and you can watch, and it'll be like if you've got Sky, uh, you can watch any camera and any car. Uh, and you think, well, there's cameras all around the track. But the CCTV is important because it also gives race control. Um, if you've ever seen a race control, not just Formula One, but any race control at a big circuit, it's just this bank of monitors and they see so much more than the the tele coverage and it's often a fixed camera on a certain corner or whatever and so for race control they need that need that to work so i think they had a contingency plan but they got it all up and and running so in free practice two then uh, we finally got some half decent running and we saw them at two mercedes at the top of the timesheets which is very interesting but it's not quite as easy as it seems. Now, the report for free practice, too, uh, is always, it goes up on autosport.com uh, pretty uh, pretty quickly after the session finishes. You can read that, uh, obviously, right now, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, followed by George Russell, two Mercedes top of the timesheets, just two hundredths of a second between them, so pretty much uh, the same. And then Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso in a heavily upgraded Aston Martin that at times was covered in Flovis uh, paint. Then Charles Max Verstappen in sixth, uh, Valtteri Bottas, and then Sergio Perez in eighth, and Lance Stroll and Pierre Gasly. So can you just tell us, explain why the Mercedes were top of the timesheets? These upgrades have clearly worked. They're now the fastest team. Hurrah, we have a title battle. Uh, not quite as easy as that, is it? No, you're right. Not quite as straightforward as that. <laughs> it's, it's one of those where 
they they were so probably the one of the last teams to go for that sort of lower fuel soft tire run um as 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 mm. sort of part of their run plan as that point Ferraris were moments before them uh but their the clerks in particular got interrupted by the second red flag in the session that was caused by the other Alpine of Ocon who had what looked like a similar issue to to Gasly um and yeah there was a first red flag in, in FP2 caused by a smoking uh, Haas uh, and Paul Hulkenberger to hop out uh, over the turn one barrier to, to to avoid any sort of further trouble but um yeah so in in short sort of they got the best of the track conditions uh time timed it uh well where they they yeah they had made the most mm. of it uh mercedes have already said that they're basically playing it down saying it's not necessarily on merit i'm sure like like we've seen this so far this season of when it comes to qualifying we'll expect the usual contenders red bull aston ferrari alpines potentially being up there in the mix with them um but at least on like you say for for a headline time it's still another good news story for for mercedes they did again sort of still um reconfirm that their upgrades are working it's it's a it's it's heading in the right direction um so it's just a case of seeing where everyone stacks up come come qualifying uh tomorrow if you look at the ideal lap time, so take the fastest sector that each of the team's drivers did, um, it was Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin, Red Bull. But again, out on track at different times and, and different tyre strategies as well. Although I think they were all um, they were all set on the soft tyre, but uh, the teams were going into different run plans. Now, what happened with... In Spain, the Mercedes drivers said that Mick Schumacher doing that simulator running, because they were nowhere on Friday, and they, they really credited uh, Mick Schumacher for, for putting in a stellar simulator session. Of course, he's joined Mercedes uh, now that he hasn't got a full-time F1 drive on the grid, um, as fixing so many of their problems. So what do you think about how some of the teams decided to run today? Because we saw Red Bull shift earlier to long run pace. Do you think maybe they'll do some more qualifying simulations in FP3 tomorrow morning? But what about the weather tomorrow? Yes, you're, you're spot on. We fully expect everyone to give uh, to give it a right old crack in FP3 in terms of uh, qualifying sims. But but you're right to mention the weather because the forecast is is not good. Well, it's good weather for, for ducks, to quote Valtteri Bottas <laughs> towards the end of FP2, when he almost... Brilliant. when it, uh, his, his, his Alfa Romeo was basically might as well have been a canoe uh, around the oh, hairpin no. towards the end. It was very, very wet, heavy, heavy rain. But um, yes, we're expecting, uh, the forecast says, a lot of the same, a lot of rain, perhaps not as intense, but it'll be wet. And so that's also probably uh, in their thinking of... Let's focus on the the forecast says a dry Sunday and a wet Saturday. So get your dry weather long running in when you need it most, and mm. it was at or as close as possible the timing of the race. So conditions will be probably as close as they could be representative wise, um, and then and then basically worry about qualifying tomorrow in terms of the the details and the setup. And, and as as we've seen, I think Red Bull can be confident in in both their drivers and their package that. Yes, they they can focus on the long run stuff, the more important stuff, and 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 sort of, I guess, a little bit play catch up tomorrow. But uh, no, they they're well versed in what their car can do and and what what their can drivers can do. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending. 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And with five minutes to go on the clock in this extended FP2 session, the heavens absolutely opened. And what do we see the teams do? Do they all just head for the garage and, and decide to sit it out? No, we saw some teams trying different things. What happened at the end of the session? Yeah, it was quite a an interesting again, an interesting day for a Friday practice, which is not something to be honest. You can't say that too too often in Formula One, uh, mostly because there's so many of them. The Friday practices, mm. but um, the track was declared wet earlier than probably most would have expected because it didn't look wet. But because uh, race control declared it as a wet track, um, that meant that the teams were permitted to run on intermediates. You can't just just go out wet tyres just because you fancy it because you've run out of <laughs> soft soft tyres. Um, so initially, there was lots of teams going out, basically just putting a lap, putting a heat cycle through their intermediates, and it means they'll get an extra set of of, of inters for, for tomorrow. So it seemed quite strategical. And then the rain really did hit. So the forecasts were eventually right. It was just a little bit delayed. Um, and it was, yeah, it was sort of classic Canada... Uh, well, not monsoon. It's the wrong wrong part of the world. But that <laughs> that, that insane weather where it just falls out of the sky and causes rivers across the track. It, to be fair, because it came so late in FP two, it was quite, it was basically red flag conditions. If that was a qualifying, if that was a race, yeah, they would have they would have had to stop it because around the the final hairpin, in particular where the rain hit first, it, they were complaining they were going off. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't have been. Uh, uh, weather and conditions that they could run anymore in. So it's it in in one sense it ha- it came in the right time. But um, yes, it gives us a, a small appetizer of what could could happen tomorrow. We'll we'll wait and see what the uh, the weather gods give us. Yeah, it was Oscar Piastri who was out at the time on some soft tyres, I think, and about five minutes of the session remaining uh, when it just, it was, you know, dark skies, dark skies. Oh, here comes the rain and the heavens absolutely opened. And that was, uh, he was, uh, it was some lovely arty shots on the coverage of uh, raindrops falling on that, on that McLaren. And uh, Lando Norris was also out uh, not long after. And it was great to see some running in the wet because the teams can learn from that as well because we just don't know what the weather is going to be so you were saying uh, just tell us about the weather again saturday and sunday going into this the on-screen formula one graphic at the beginning of this session said a 40 percent chance of rain this session well it absolutely (laughs) tipped it down so the forecast is really hard to get right it's been changed I've been following it as the week's gone it's been changing 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 so what is the latest with Saturday and Sunday it seems like wet qualifying we might might avoid a wet FP3 but wet qualifying and a dry Sunday race so but that that, that is as of Friday evening (laughs) as we know forecasts can change uh, to that Michael Fish uh, incident is is one that normally jumps (laughs) to people's minds and uh Yes, you never know that that could be that could be me right now. We could have this on record, and it'd be dry as a bone Saturday and <laughs> soaking wet on Sunday, and I'll look very silly. But I'm just reading what the information I've been given. That's what happened today in terms of no FP1. Well, there 
There was uh, for about uh, three, laps, three or four yeah. minutes. Yeah, three <laughs> laps, and then and then an extended FP two. So, uh, which helpfully clashed with the football. Uh, however, let's talk uh, a little bit about what's been doing well on Autosport.com and talk about what uh, you and your team have been putting online and some of the stories that uh, have done really well. Maybe today or the last couple of days, as everyone turned up in Canada after a week off, and we all watched Le Mans instead. So, what's been been, what people have been reading and clicking on online. Yeah, well, uh, it's a good point. We had a great fun uh, last weekend on, on Le Mans and I know you've been speaking to the team that are at the track and uh, reflecting on, on episodes just gone. So yeah, that was a, that was a terrific weekend. Um, no, in recently in terms of uh, can, uh, Canadian Grand Prix build-up, it, it is very much the sort of the the return of Mercedes, let's say. There's uh, Hamilton sort of saying that it's found, Mercedes has found its North Star and that's the direction of travel. It's going very poetic, to be fair, um, to, to sort of find the development direction and follow that. Uh, Aston Martin has uh, revealed its uh, latest major upgrade and it looks looks very impressive. And obviously today they were, it was the first time running it. Um, they, they both have got, in FP2, got a good bank of laps in it, so they've got plenty of data to churn through. But um, no, it looks very good, sort of step forward for them. And obviously, if they had a particularly off weekend in Spain, um, they'll be hoping that they can sort of strike back. There's there's uh, reports in, in the media of sort of Lawrence Stroll, team owner, who's expecting a double podium this weekend. Obviously, home race for him and his son, Lance. Uh, and Alonso, of course, is uh, yeah, sort of the leading the team. If they can get both on the podium, that would be a... A great story for them. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But um, yes, so keeping an eye on all your, your latest upgrades. Uh, Williams, we're sort of currently digging into Matt Summerfield, sort of having a look at the, their latest upgrades. And obviously they were under the spotlight for not perhaps the best of reasons in Spain last weekend when their f- uh, car floor got revealed when it got picked up by the crane. And uh, what's the polite way of saying it? I guess it was a bit more <laughs> simplistic. That's not even polite. I guess just the compared to the rebels and the Mercedes that we'd saw at Monaco. Um, so I wouldn't say they've got suddenly a Red Bull floor on their car. That's almost impossible to do in, in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, they're, yes. they're, they're doing a rebuild. And that is very much what the new team boss, James Vowles, is sort of drumming home in the media as well. It's like this team is operationally, but systems car-wise behind of the times and needs to be dragged forward. And so... That's their narrative at the moment, and they need. And it's quite reflective in it where they stand in the standings and the results. So yes, that's one to watch as well. Yeah, that was a great piece actually that we ran on Autosport.com where he described the Red Bull as being in a different paradigm, and you can't just. Uh, 3D scan a photo and and and, and bolt it on your car because it needs to work with everything else on your car. But yeah, when you look at the underneath of the Williams, it was pretty simple but that doesn't mean slow although unfortunately in their case it it does mean quite (laughs) quite slow Uh, however uh, it was very different to the red bull floor which they were clearly impressed with but it's it's not just a case of copying it because it needs to work with everything else um, that's going on so yes all the le mans coverage is uh, well worth reading online right now in the autosport plus section and you can pick up the le mans centenary report special issue of autosport magazine if you're not subscribing already and it's dropping through your letterbox then you can pick it up in the shops with a nice big picture of the ferrari uh, 499p 51 car uh, with a quote from tom christensen actually on the front of autosport magazine uh, which says it will go down in history as one of the bests and he knows 
what he's talking about. It was certainly a very, very good uh, Le Mans. And, uh, and interesting that there wasn't a picture of a Toyota on the front cover of Autosport magazine. But we think, you know, Ferrari won it on merit. So there we go. Lots of Le Mans coverage online. Loads in the magazine. Uh, and of course, if you are subscribing already, you can find out more details if you want to at autosport.com slash plus. Uh, but if you are a subscriber, thank you for your support and uh, allowing us to do the work that we do and bringing you uh, that coverage. Tomorrow on the podcast, we'll be joined by Jake Boxall Leg for a technical look into some of the big upgrades here in Canada. And then join us for the Sunday night podcast as we review the Canadian Grand Prix this year. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Podcast Network.